the, the, the beautiful part is the next time I see you, oh, you left your phone up here. What, what Zane has already learned about me is that if you leave your phone around, I take pictures of myself. Everyone gets in this one. We'll swap because I don't trust kids ministry. I don't even know if you can take a photo of mine. It's so non-Apple. So uh, the next time we get to see you, you know, like a few weeks, you're going to be married. You and Tori. So y'all don't forget to send Zane and Tori off with some love. Uh, so it's coming six days. So make sure you, you give them some love. Yeah, as Zane was saying, um, my, my role here is as an executive pastor. And so what a lot of people say is, what does that mean? And then, they, and then typically they want to know more about our family. So he, he said systems and operation. And I've utilized a couple different just easy remembering ways for you to know kind of what I do. Um, one is some people say that I'm the pastor of paper. Okay, And so if you run out of toilet paper probably need to come find me so I can figure out why didn't we have any toilet paper. You run out of copy paper, colored paper, printable papers, cardstock paper, thank you cards, letterhead, envelopes, all of that usually falls on me, pasture of paper, okay? Essential items, coffee, you run out of coffee, probably going to need me as well, all right? Also, there's another acronym, just the word system, and I use this to help people understand, save you stress, time, energy, and money. Save you stress, time, energy, and money. And that's a lot of what I try to do, not just for the organization, um, but for you individually within your lives. Like Zane said, I love to be in life with people. Um, I love to help build platforms for other people to stand upon so they can see the success that they've been dreaming of. Um, I love to walk alongside you and help you just figure out what God's called and asked you to do. And from a church perspective, I get to come inside uh, alongside of us, making sure we have clear next steps, just as our Dallas Discover Dallas classes in August, making sure we communicate what the next step for your faith journey looks like, making sure that you understand that this isn't just a show up on Sunday, but that if you engage with us, that, that we truly believe you'll see life change around you in your life and those that you interact with. And just making sure that's a very simplified, well-communicated process that you can get engaged with. So that's a lot of what I do. My wife is in this service, and my dad came today up from Tyler, Texas, to see us. Um, all my kids are back there. That's a great place for kids to go. Um, it's, I used to joke, you know, parents, we just need a break every once in a while. So come to two services. Do you know our check-in service allows you to click on both of them? I may have had one kid here for both services. So because getting four kids ready in the morning is a task that my wife has to do every Sunday. And so any of the times I can free her up, she, I give her so much grace and love for the stuff that she has to do just to get our family ready to be here um, and to participate in life with you guys. So Leslie and I have been married for 14 years. We have four kids. Cadence is my oldest. She changed our rhythm um, of our life. And so she got the name Cadence. Uh, Harper came next. Um, and Harper is, is six, about to be seven, um, just a great view on life, a humble servant. Um, she she's supremely athletic and, and can beat me in most games that we play, but she'll lose to make her sisters feel better. 
Okay, that's just kind of her personality. Um, she knows that her older sister's competitive and not athletic. <laughs> so uh, then comes Gemma. Gemma's our little rock star. Um, Gemma is a beautiful, just personality, completely out of the box of how Leslie and I are personality-wise and wired. And so we're like having to use real like kid gloves, really. Like, God, however you made this, it's so foreign to us. Don't let us shatter it. You know, like, if we try to make her like me, then, then she loses what makes Gemma so beautiful. And so she's there. And then came Briggs. Um, Briggs is one of the reasons why it took about a year to get here for us. Um, we started talking last September uh, when they put out the request for an executive pastor. And, and Leslie was pregnant. Briggs came in November. We actually share a birthday. Um, so side note, I don't ever get a birthday again. <laughs> it's pretty much what it means for the next 18 years. If you want to give me a birthday present, it's November 2nd. Um, Briggs will get plenty of presents. He came in November. Uh, the, the elders, the, the team was great and said, just be patient. Take care of your family. Um, and and we'll, we know what God's doing. And so we didn't want to transition them during the school year. So we waited until June and brought them here on Father's Day. And it's been great just to see how you have embraced us. Um, we've been here almost a month. Uh, the love, the outpouring of support, encouragement, the meals, uh, just to hear some of the stories has just really helped make Texas welcome. This is our first time in Texas. Um, this is our first time uh, as a family for my kids to live outside of, of a state where their family was. Cadence was born in Pennsylvania, but lived there for only nine months. Um, so a lot of my kids grew up around family in South Carolina, and for them to come here and to be embraced through the Pine Cove camp, through some of the teachers that are here, through art camp, the reeds. I don't know if they're in the service or not. Um, just loving on them and bringing them in has been a huge blessing. Um, I want to weave this morning some of our story and what God has done um, alongside some scripture. So you're going to hear kind of my heart and my passions and, and why I do things the way I do them and the, and the goals for my family. And, and hopefully, um, as you hear these, you'll be challenged through the scripture and challenged for setting up some goals and maybe some perspective shifts. What's been really neat is that Kyle spoke two weeks ago, Kyle Martin, on the concept of making God a first choice, a priority in our life. And that was really neat because it challenges you intellectually. To, you have to remember, okay, intellectually, God, you are my first priority. And last week, Dr. Um, Dr. Abe uh, came through and spoke to us a lot about the concept of clinging to God, of what does it look like to cling to Him and understand that He fights for you, okay? And sometimes as, as Christians, that's usually our default, the easiest. We kind of understand, God, I need you right now and show up on the scene. And what I'm speaking about this morning, and I knew this as I was sitting through this, I kept hearing, I was like, God, you're so beautiful and how you organize your word and how you organize the men to follow your spirit and teaching. So this morning, I want to talk about what does it look like to walk with God. Just to walk with him. Not just to mentally understand and make him your first priority. And not just to pull the ripcord and cling to him when you need him to fight for you. But what does it look like to walk with God? We're going to be in two passages. So if you have a copy of God's word... I encourage you to open it up, get the app going. Um, if you needed a Bible, there's some in front of you in the pew. And if you don't even have a Bible, please come find me. There's a whole stack of them over here. And I'd love to give you one just as a gift from Dallas Bible for you to use. 
So whatever copy of God's Word you have, open it up. And if you didn't bring one, that's okay. They'll be on the screens. And we're going to be in two different places. Genesis chapter 5, a couple pages right in the front, as well as back towards the back of your Bible, a passage in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. One of the se- this recent season of our life, God has displayed His overwhelming faithfulness to us. And there's a song I grew up singing in this little Baptist church. I say grew up. I didn't start going to the church until I was 12. But I grew up singing just... I should not sing. Where's Travis? Travis, just a closer walk with Him. It's an old hymn, man. I told you I'd sing sometime. It happens. I, sometimes that's been what I've realized this past season is God's faithfulness has just become, just spurred me to just a closer walk with Him. Daily walk with Him. Today's story, we're going to be looking at a man named Enoch. And Enoch is very unique in the course of history. And then we look at this unique few passages of what walking with God looked like for Enoch. It's, It's married really close to the story of Cain and Abel. Okay? And how we can understand what does God's faithfulness result in my walking with Him. And how does that look? If you have a copy of God's Word, Genesis chapter 5, verse 22 and 24. This is coming, like I said, just in the the beginning stages of what everything looks like for for the humanity and how the, the, the generations begin to be broken down. And, and as we dive through this, this phrase I want you to just keep, jot it down, keep it at the forefront of your thoughts, is, is that God wants to walk with us before He works through us. God wants to walk with us or with you before He works through you. God cares a lot about our relationship. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 5, verse number 22. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived for 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. Poof, God. Which is crazy because in the 21 verses before this, You end each one with, and they died, 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 and they died. But when we get to Enoch, he was no more. God took him away. He walked with him. We flip over to Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It begins to talk to us about what faith looks like and and, and what it can be, and, and it defines faith for us at the very beginning in verse 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. So that what was not seen was made out of what was visible. And here we get to Abel. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, his brother. By faith, Abel, he, was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. Then we get Enoch. By faith, Enoch 
was taken from life. So he did not experience death. He could not be found. Now listen to that. I love this. Kids men stuff. All right? This is like God's playing Marco Polo type of a thing. It's like, Marco. And he tells me, like, can't be found. I love that they just put it there. Can't be found. Like, what happened to him? Like, some people were looking for him. It wasn't just that he just disappeared, because that's a pretty cool trick in itself. Like, people didn't understand it. He can't be found. Okay? It's happening. Because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Father, may we have the faith of Abel and may we have a relationship like Enoch when it comes to you. May we walk daily. May we understand what walking looks like. And Father, from your scripture today, may you speak to us through both of these men. Speak to us about what it means to walk with you. May your words be powerful. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I think it's real easy in our Christian, Christian culture, in our Christian ease, just to be able to, to want such a microwave, quick faith. We want to see God show up. We want blessings. We want to see this immediate life transformation. We want to see all these things take place when it comes to God. And, and God's kind of in this patient realm. God's in the world of, of, it's okay, I want to enjoy journeying with you. I want to enjoy walking with you. Don't rush things too quick. It's kind of, it's like the, remember back to when you first wanted to ask a girl out, guys? All right, now I'm going to go old school. Now people text each other and ask them out on dates. And I'm like, this is why you're still single, okay? <laughs> but before the cell phone, it was like the notes that you would might be passing, you know, like the old country song, check yes or no mentality. Like, you needed to know, like, you were so anxious, you wanted, I just want the relationship. What about, I'm raising girls, this is really important, what about just be friends for a while? That's what I tell my daughters. It's okay. Caden's had three boys who were interested in her. Honey, she's in the third grade. You do not need to date a single one of them. What is this boyfriend stuff about? That's it. No, no, no. Have as many friends as you want. But see, with God, we got to treat it different. We're like, God, immediate relationship, what are you doing for me? I checked the box, yes, I'm saved, I'm your child, what are you doing for me, God? And God's like, no, 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 let's just hang out for a while. Let's just walk. From the beginning of Genesis, from the hall of faith, it talks about walking. It doesn't tell us where we're going, it just says just walk. And it's interesting because in Enoch's life, this, he walked with God, that's the only the second time we see the word walk in Scripture. And I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. And, and, and we understand that Enoch... He, he, he's, he's unique. Something happened. Everyone was dying, dying, dying. And then on the scene, Enoch gets caught up to glory. And I don't think God was simply doing a miracle, which is the first time miracles happen in the Bible, is with Enoch. He wasn't just simply doing a miracle for miracle's sake. He wasn't just rewarding this overly righteous spiritual guy and say, thank you, thank you. Guess what, Jeff? You too, if you walk with me, I'll poof you out of here. 
Oh, see, he did something for Enoch because on the course of history, it needed a change. And what the oral traditions that were going to be passed down, this concept of walking with God is important. And he needed to illustrate this on the backside of death, on the backside of frailty of mankind. When finally at Genesis 4, 26, people start to turn their attentions to God. He said it's not just a mental turning of our attentions to God. It has to become a walking, physically moving out relationship with God. And he brings it right back up in here in Hebrews 11. We first hear of Abel who brought an offering of a sacrifice and we hear of the word faith and we hear the word belief and nestled in this is Enoch's story of walking with God and the example he had. But a lot of times we get it wrong a lot of times we approach God and we know that he's created us and, and it's kind of hard. Like we, we know that he has purpose and plans for us and we get impatient and sometimes we just sit on the sideline. Sometimes we just put thing, our relationship with God away. It's like, okay, God, it's just, it's not working right now. It's dry. It's dark. I'm not seeing your blessings. I'm not seeing you move. And God, I just, I can't walk anymore. It's kind of hard like this to me, is that when God prepares a vessel, he wants to walk with that vessel. He wants to understand that that vessel has purpose. He wants to understand that it has a, a calling and a passion, and he's created this vessel, mankind. He's created it for a use. But before you get to be used, you've got to understand what walking looks like. So it's like this. Let's say you wanted to bless me today. I need a car. I do. I sold my truck before I came here because you can't put four kids in an extended cab trucks. It just doesn't work. My wife was not happy with the idea of me strapping in a car seat to the bed of the truck. I should have known because we had to get rid of our Jeep Wrangler when Cadence came because she wasn't happy about putting car seats when car door, Jeeps don't have doors. It's okay. I love my kids. I would have used two straps. But what if you wanted to bless me today? And you brought to me a 1971 Ford Mustang Shelby GT500. Gray. And let's name this Eleanor. And do you know what? Eleanor can be gone in 60 seconds. I see some of you know, some of you got it. Some of you are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Let's say you gave me this car. Now, what good would it be for me to take Eleanor and to sit Eleanor in the garage and walk by? And every time you came over to my house, I'd say, hey, look at Eleanor. Look at this. You're like, yeah, when's the last time you drove it? I bet you this thing flies. Um, I don't drive it. I just leave her in the garage. Now, see, when you have a vessel, when you have an instrument, when you have something that has purpose, it's meant for enjoyment. It's meant for pleasure. It's meant to be used. It's meant to go zero to 60 and like... What? Let's give it a reasonable, I mean, it's old, 1971. Give it to me. 3.8! That's remarkable. I definitely need this car. <laughs> now, not to be outdone, I'm very pleasantly okay if you should bless me with a John Deere tractor with a front-end loader and a little air conditioner canopy, bush hog on the back, and maybe even, even a scrape blade. I will push over any tree. I will dig for hours with a hole on the backyard it doesn't matter. Fill it up, dig it out, fill it up again. 
That's what I do. So, and that goes zero to 60 in eight minutes? Something close to that? The thing is, when things were created, they were created for a purpose. And that purpose is to be used. But before you can be used by God, you've got to spend time understanding how you were created by God. What the purpose is. Step number one in walking with God is understanding that pleasing God is believing God. Both Abel and Enoch explain this to us in Hebrews. The verses are there, and you can see this idea of what faith is about. That if you're going to walk with someone, you have to step into that relationship, right? Right? Remember, go, let's go back to before, the marriages and dating. Before you understand if she's happy or he's happy with you, you have to initially step into it, and that's how God works too. You have to have the faith and the belief to step into a walking relationship with God because before he's going to be happy, now you're his creation, you're marred with sin, you have stuff that he's not pushing you away, he's trying to embrace you and to pull you in, he's giving you the love notes of do you want to be in a relationship or not, but he's in it for the long term. He's not in this relationship for you to walk a little bit with him and then to step to the side. He's committed to this relationship and he wants to know do you believe him? Do you trust him with his process? Do you trust him with his word? Abel trusted him. And God credited it to him as righteousness. Enoch trusted him. And he walked with God. It's a whole mentality shift. So often we think that pleasing God is the works we do. The outcome of him using us. But we've got to remember it's not by works that we are saved. It's by faith. See, God wants to work through us, but the first step is just to believe him so you can walk with him. Totally different than what culture sets up for us. It's all about outcome. What, I mean, even, even kids' ministry, we're, we're really bad with gold stars, medals in churches, and making you feel like you accomplished your memory verse and check boxes. And I don't understand. I'd ask Zane to give you all gold stars today at the end of the service. So hopefully he's prepared for it. That you showed up. Check the box. The outcome. The follow-up. The, the, the finality of it. But that's what church has created cultures of. And that's what culture has created a culture of. And what God's all about is, now listen, to step one, do you believe me? Do you trust this process you're about to go through? Do you trust that you're going to walk with me for the long term? That I'm going to walk with you for the long term? Do, do you understand that just walking with me, believing me, is pleasing me? Nothing else you have to do, just believe. Step number two of walking with God is the reward. The reward of walking with God is his presence and my obedience. You can see this played out if you were to go and read kind of in, in Genesis chapter 4 in the story of Cain and Abel of what's going on with them. And it's interesting because if, if you didn't know, Cain kills his brother. It's the first time murder is introduced. And like I said, the, fra the frailty of mankind comes on display in, in Genesis 4, 26. And they begin to call upon God because they understand the frailty of man. But, but God is punishing Abel, or punishing Cain for murdering his brother. All right? And one of the punishments that you read about in the middle part of chapter 4 is that the presence of God has stepped away. That Cain is not allowed to be in the presence of God. And then in verse 16, it says that Cain left the presence of God. 
So if over here is the presence of God, Cain knowingly walks away from the presence of God. He left the presence of God. And then the writer tells us, and the following verses gives us marks of success. Cain has kids. Cain's kids develop cities. Cain's kids develop music. Cain's kids develop culture and craftsmanship, and they begin to make things. Cain's kids end up having just livestock and cattle and accumulating wealth. So how does all those accolades, all those accomplishments, all those blessings happen when you've left the presence of God? Because we have the wrong measuring stick. See, that portion of the scripture is there to help us understand that there's two ways that you can approach life. You can approach life within the presence of God and your measuring stick of what success looks like, how you define success is different than how the world's going to define success under Cain's livelihood. In the world, it's about what you're going to accumulate. In the world, it's about what you do, what you produce, music, your hands do. It's about what livestock you have. It's about the, the accolades of developing a city. But in the God's standard is about his presence. And this is important if I'm raising the kids, right? This is important for Leslie and I. Cadence has made all A's. All A's since she's been in school. Brilliant mind. Cadence wants to be a CIA operative. High goals. Lofty ambitions. I've already told you that Cadence is not athletic. Doesn't stop her from playing flag football, playing soccer, playing basketball. Headstrong mentality. Let me tell you about my son. He's eight months old. I started football drills with him this week. <laughs> John, I told you. Now, he can't walk yet. Doesn't matter. If you're going to be a lineman, you've got to have fast feet. Can't work on that yet. You gotta have violent hands. My son has violent hands. I've noticed it. I got recruiters talking to me already. So we're working on hand drills. Push. Push. So when his sisters start picking on him, he can push them away. I taught him how to make a bread basket, and I stick the ball right in his little hands, and he pushes it and goes, Wah! You think I'm kidding? I'm on video. We're gonna put it on Facebook later on. Okay? What kind of expectations am I setting up for my kids? What kind of expectations were for me? I worked for a Fortune 500 company in Atlanta. How many of you have ever filled out a FAFSA for student loans, grants, debts? I'm sorry, I was a part of putting you in debt for nine years of my life. Billions with a B, certified loans for the Department of Education. Paid for my schooling, that industry paid for me to go to seminary. And that industry provided for my family, and Leslie and I were living really comfortable in Atlanta. And I was working from 6 to 8 every day. And when God had called us, and he had said, Jeff, he goes, I, 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 got, I have plans for you here. Do you not know who you are? Don't just sit in the garage in this sector, this industry of which I've called you to. And so we were planning to go plant a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And two months before I left to plant the church, company came to me and offered me one of the most lucrative business deals, opportunities I've ever seen for a 27-year-old. 
is going to become the financial aid manager over the district, which would include Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina at 27 years old. I didn't tell them at the time that I was planning to plant a church. You don't tell your employer four months, two or three months before you leave, because then you leave that day. And I had to make a choice. Am I going to operate upon the standards by which God sets? Am I going to operate upon the standards which the culture sets? Cadence, Cadence, is it important to me that you're making straight A's in this world? Is it important to me that you obey God? Briggs, are you going to go out and you're going to become a football player, a soccer player like your daddy and play baseball sports? Is sports important to me? Is you accumulating notoriety or, or Briggs or Harper or, or Gemma? Is it important to me that you understand that success is the presence of God? So I chose to operate within this bubble. I made the least amount of money I ever made in my life the following year. And I saw the faithfulness of God overtly displayed throughout my marriage and my family. So you have a choice if you're going to walk with God. You can't be a double-minded man. You can either follow the example that Cain had, and, and you can accumulate, and you can have those things. And toys are great. I love, listen, I love boats and jet skis and four-wheelers. I love lake houses. I love skiing. I love going to football games. And I didn't even get into that if you're a Clemson fan. Texas A&M debate we have going on here. But I enjoy those things. If you have two tickets to the Texas A&M game, Clemson game, invite me to it. Three. actually need three because Cadence wants to come. I enjoy the world, but the world is not my standard of definition of success. God's presence is. And I'm chasing his presence. And I'm trying to be within this sphere. And I'm trying to understand that the only way his presence is active in this walk takes place is through my obedience. And I don't want to make a platform for my kids based upon the wrong definition of success. Fail every grade. Okay, don't disobey God. That's what's going to break your father's heart. That's what's going to break your father's heart. So one of the things Leslie and I started to do was, as we noticed God's faithfulness in our marriage and his faithfulness in our life, and is just being transparent with our kids. This journey to come here in December was the last paycheck I received from my previous church. And, and we brought our kids in and we told them and we said, God, just watch God be faithful. I came out of Christmas. Christmas one of the probably the worst Christmas seasons I've been through. I just couldn't get in the spirit, couldn't understand what God was doing. And, and I began to look through my calendar on my phone and I realized I wasn't with people. Now, I could choose in this moment to, to go into the financial aid sector again, to go and do work, to accumulate or do things, or I could just say, God, whatever process you have, I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to walk with you. And, and so I've learned enough with my relationship to choose that, to be obedient to that. And so in my calendar, I said, okay, God, I'm just going to start plugging people in, three people a week minimum, to be in their life, to walk to walk with them as they try to walk with you. And as I'm walking with you, we're seeking your presence together. And you know what? God stretched out that bank account. 
God allowed blessings, and we have things would show up, random checks and cash in our mailbox, and we would sit down with our kids at the dinner table, and we would tell them and say, listen, we want you to understand, when you're, when you're faithful to God, when you pursue God, watch what takes place. This lady who just blessed us, because over the last eight years we were involved in her life, or this gentleman who I walked through, his mom dying of cancer, who I walked through a divorce with him, who I walked through a new marriage with him, chooses to bless us. Hey, kids, I want you to understand. People are watching you. And your obedience to God and how you're faithfully walking with God will be evident to others. So step number three, as we, we walk through with this, this concept of God, what does it look like? It is about believing. It is about defining success. But it's also about understanding that others will take notice. Where did Enoch learn to walk with God from? How did he hear about it? In Genesis, the first time it's ever mentioned is after the fall of man. God is walking through the garden looking for Adam. And Adam and Eve have chosen to hide. I can't help but imagine that that was a normal thing for God, to walk with Adam and Eve, to enjoy the company. And so he knew where they would be. He was like, he wasn't, he was like, I'm not trying to push you away. This is the path we walked every morning, Adam and Eve. Where are you, Adam and Eve? This is where we do life together, Adam and Eve. I know sin has come in, but you don't understand. It's, I've been, I'm past that. I'm looking for you. I want to embrace you. I want to walk with you. And so I'm walking the same path I've always walked. But Adam and Eve were hiding. They were afraid of God. And God makes a sacrifice. He cuts an animal and clothes them with skin. And the blood covers them. I can't help but imagine that, that Adam talked about what it was like to walk with God. And for Enoch, that was his great, 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 great grandfather. And he had stories of, wait, that's possible? You mean I can, I don't have to follow this Cain culture? You mean, even though I've screwed up, God still wants to be close to me, even though, even though I, can, I, can do, I can have what great-grandfather Adam had. I can walk with God. And he starts walking with God. Now, culture didn't get any better. In the next chapter, God decides to send a worldwide flood and just completely wipe out mankind. But Enoch's great-great-grandson, Noah, is on the scene. And Noah was a righteous man. Chapter 6, verse 9. And Noah walked with God. The third time we've heard about it. How did Noah learn? He learned because he saw and he heard the stories of his great-grandfather who walked with God. In the midst of a culture that was going, going, just throwing away, and it was no one was righteous. Jude talks to us about Enoch's culture in Jude 14 and 15, and, and it's just despicable of what's happening. So often as churches, as Christians, we say, if we could just, if we could just get prayer back in school, it's going to fix our schools. If I could just get the Bible. Back in the schools, it's going to fix the schools. If I could just get the Ten Commandments at the courthouse, it'll change our community. If I could just get a Christian president, 
then all this is going to be fixed. If we could just do this, if we could just, if we could just, if we could. If you can just walk with God. Obediently surround yourself in his presence. Others will take notice. And that's the impact that we need to make. Let's stop trying to fix it. Let's just, let's just worry about who's watching. My kids are watching you. They're watching me. And one day, I want to have grandchildren. I hope I live long enough and through God's faith enough to have great-grandchildren. And in that moment, I want them to share stories of God's faithfulness to the Mousa family. Of how we chose to walk with God. To stay within his presence and to be obedient. A short story as the, the guys are coming up from the band and they can come get ready, Travis. And I'm in Guatemala two years previously and I'm there and we're supposed to do construction in the morning, VBS in the afternoon. And the team I was with had been in Guatemala before and it was my first time in Guatemala. I've traveled with them other places, but that morning we we're digging out a latrine and we're redoing a bathroom at the church. Okay, poor plumbing, mission team task. Every time, I'm just letting you know. I'm sweaty, I'm hot, I'm worn out, I'm tired. And we're supposed to do VBS right after lunch. I lay down on the cement floor and hope to get just a quick rest and the kids don't show up. 30 minutes go by and the kids still aren't here. Where are they? The kids. Jimmy, my buddy, the team leader comes to me and says, Jeff, we have to go. I'm like, okay, what's wrong? He goes, no, no, no. We didn't walk the city. I said, what? If we don't walk the village, we're in San Juan Mocha, and if we don't walk this rural village and let them know that you're there, then they don't know you're there. I said, all right, Jimmy, let's go. And I'm tired, I'm sweaty, and we go up this huge incline, and we turn by the school, and we take a right, and all of a sudden, there's like 20 kids playing soccer. And I'm like, game on. Work boots, it doesn't matter. Let's play soccer. The goal was the front-end loader of like a D9 tractor. I mean, this is like that was their soccer goal, okay? And so I'm out there, I'm playing with these kids, and, and we're supposed to, they're supposed to be doing VBS, but the pastor was with me, a couple of the team members were with me, and man, we played like a good 30 minutes. I huddle all the kids around me, and in my broken English, I'm down there with the ball, and I'm saying, this time tomorrow, I'll be here again, and we'll play soccer. Bring your friends. Yeah, everyone understand? Say it over and over again. Tomorrow, I'll come here. I'll come here. We play for like five more minutes, and then I leave. And we hit the top of the hill, and Jimmy says, Jeff, And all these kids are following us. They're walking right behind us. I didn't ask them to come to church. I didn't ask them to go to VBS. I didn't ask them to do anything except for meet with me the next day. But what they wanted was my presence. What they wanted was this bunch of gringos who showed up the enjoyment of being with us. They didn't want handouts. They didn't want candy. They didn't want anything else that we had to offer. They just wanted the presence that we created. They walk 
with us back to the church and they had brought their friends with them. And I think that's how God wants us to live. Live and walk in a certain way that others take notice. It's not what you hand them. It's not what you say to them. It's nothing that we can fix their problems. Instead, it's just a, I need that. I want to hang out more with you because you're hanging out more with God. So let's stand to our feet. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. God, I just want to ask this morning, God, maybe someone here this morning, if you haven't taken that initial step of belief in God, man, I'm going to be down here up front. We have some of our elders and our prayer team. If you just want to know what the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ looks like, if you just want to know what initial faith and belief looks like, come talk to us. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you just need an alignment check. And you need to walk back over and redefine success for your life. Maybe as we pray and as we sing, just talk to God.